Welcome to our most stacked and jacked TNT special ever. As our guest this week is a five-year pro who's been dominating the northeast of rest scenes with companies such as North Wrestling NCL, Main Event Wrestling, Wrestling Prime Entertainment, TNT Extreme Wrestling, Target Wrestling, Rise Pro Wrestling, Wrestle Carnival. He is the jacked and stacked daddy of professional wrestling. Shreddy, how are you doing? Well, an intro, just yeah, let's go home now, boys. We're not topping that. We're not topping that. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. And of course, we are Teen Tights, a great British wrestling podcast for great British wrestling, as featured on Bodyslam.net. I am the host, the great British attacker, Mr. Andrew Moore, and Eaton Most. And as always, my co host is the pro wrestling t shirt champion of the world, Big Daddy Dan. Good evening. How are you guys like to do him? Very two well. Daddies, two daddies on the call today. Indeed. I think you're slightly bigger than me, though. <laughs> That's why. Well, he is the jacked and stacked daddy. You're just a big daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, while I think um, 260 is a, a decent size, most of it's belly. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I'd like to start off by talking about your upcoming Big match um, against Big Demo. Yeah. Um, I'll ask you how you're feeling about it, but first thing I've got to ask you: Are you going to be able to lift Demo for the Jackhammer? Oh, no, that is a question and a half. Who knows? I suppose you've got you know you've got to head over to Target, pay your ten pound, get your tickets, come down this Saturday, the twenty seventh of November, get yourselves down to Carlisle and see if Big Shreddy can get Big Demo for the Jacked. Hammer, who knows? We'll find out on Saturday. I mean, how are you feeling about the match itself as well? I mean, Big Demo is one of the biggest stars of professional wrestling. Obviously, the former Killian Dane of NXT, but a huge star in the UK prior to that. And right now, just killing it back in the UK. Yeah, so really, like, genuinely, like, gimmicks aside and all that, really looking forward to this match. Um... It's definitely the biggest name that I've gone up, like gone up against. Um, I think it's the first time I've wrestled a guy who's came from WWE. Um, I've done training with people who've been at WWE, but this is the first time I've wrestled someone on the show um, who's kind of like ex WWE NXT. Um, obviously, before Demo went over to NXT and went over to WWE, he was one of the biggest names on the scene. Um, so yeah, genuinely like really looking forward to it, uh, really excited for it, um, and kind of just feeling like very lucky and grateful to be given the opportunity from Target to you know have an opponent like Demo and be able to go and have a match against Demo and kind of share that spotlight with him. Indeed. I mean, one of the things we've talked about recently is a real resurgence in heavyweight wrestling. And of course, uh, yourself, Big Demo, are two of the biggest names when it comes to that big heavyweight wrestlers now. Uh, what's your impression of the scene of how it's kind of come about? Um, so, I mean, I could cut a promo here. I could shoot about kind of what I think. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I wouldn't personally, I don't, what you just said there, like saying I'm one of the biggest names um, in the heavyweight scene, I genuinely don't think that. Um, I think kind of when you look around the Brit rest circuit or the Brit rest scene, it's changed a lot, obviously, since lockdown and coronavirus and everything like that. It has changed the landscape now. So I kind of feel myself and guys who are kind of, I don't sound my level, but kind of like popularity-wise, bookings-wise, however you want to describe that, I do kind of feel like a lot of us have been elevated. Um, I'm working more shows now. I'm working more main event matches because there's been those opportunities open up because of... NXT UK sign people because of people leaving wrestling. So I do kind of feel um, things have opened up and I've kind of, I've been given more opportunities now, but I definitely don't think I'm, you know, one of the biggest names in the heavyweight scene, but I do appreciate um, you saying that. Um, But what do I think about heavyweight, like the heavyweight scene? Is Mm. that kind of the question? Yeah. So, I mean, Brit Rest, um, for the longest time, ever since I've been training, people say to me, oh, you're a big guy, you're a big guy, but, I've always kind of looked at it, maybe he's wrongly, I, I don't know. I've always kind of looked at, or I've always given the answer of, 
if I was on Raw or SmackDown, I wouldn't necessarily be a big guy. I wouldn't feel like I was a big guy. Um, you know, I'm five for ten. Like that shoots five for ten. Um, my weight fluctuates, obviously with bodybuilding, appearance, and bulking, cutting things like that. But you know, I'm always falling under that like heavyweight category. Um, but I do think that since lockdowns came back, and I kind of started transitioning to this just before lockdown, um, and I was trying to incorporate matches, people were telling me to work more, like not as a big guy, as like this lumbering guy who doesn't, you know, bump and doesn't, you know, get in off his feet because I'm not a tall, tall guy. Um, but, you know, just work more of that power of style where I was always trying to think, oh, I need to wrestle, I need to wrestle, I need to wrestle, I need to be like Eddie Guerrero, I need to be this technical, like, wizard. And I just, since over lockdown has given me a chance to kind of rethink about wrestling, rethink kind of what my position in wrestler is, what my role or character or persona is like in wrestling, uh, what I can bring to shows different to other people on the scene. There's not obviously a lot of like big in shape body guys, or however you want to, you know, whatever you want to use um, as that term uh, in British wrestling. Um, but that's, in my opinion, that's good because then when there's somebody like that on a show, it's a little bit more special um, wrestling is wrestling's a variety show. Um, and I, even though I look the way I do when I'm into the gym, people kind of just assume like, oh, well, I think all wrestlers need to look like they're in shape, that they all need to look jacked up, things like that. Not at all. Like wrestlers, wrestling is all about that variety. It's all about character. And you need that variety. If everybody was, you know, jacked, if everybody was lean, if everybody, if everybody was ripped, it'd just be boring. There'd be no variety in there. Like, look at any kind of entertainment, look at any medium. I grew up loving X-Men, Spider-Man, Marvel Comics, things like that. You don't have the X-Men team full of Jack Parrosas. You've got a mix of characters on there. Then looking at the wider context of Marvel, you've got a mix of massively, like massive mix of different characters that all bring something unique, all have different looks, all have different powers and things like that. So wrestling for me um, is all about that variety. So it is good because I do feel like in British wrestling, there is a lot of smaller, more kind of, I don't want to say average looking guys, but more kind of like average height, average weight, smaller kind of guys. So having some heavyweight action in there, whether it's a heavyweight body guy, a heavyweight kind of, powerhouse guy a horse whatever it might be it is nice to have that kind of style being featured a little bit more because again it's just different and having those heavyweights on a show kind of breaks and offers something a little bit different to the other things that you might see on typical like british wrestling shows excellent i've just got out of their question if you were to build I was like, try and build an X-Men team of British wrestlers. So seven-person team. Seven-person team. From Brit Rest for the, the X-Men. It would just be me booking all my mates, wouldn't it? So me, Rory Coyle, Benji, Rampage Brown is, you know, the leader of the team. Um, how many is that for? Um, I don't know, maybe just going to as a four-man squad, but... Uh, I yeah, think that four man squad you wouldn't need anymore. <laughs> we'll, circle, we'll circle back to that one. But um, no, I would probably pick if I was going to be like in part of the excellent of British wrestling, you'd want to be with your mates. You'd want to be, you know, with the guys that you know the best. So it'd be me and all the guys that I train with, or me and all the guys I travel in cars with. <laughs> Sorry, going down. Oh, uh, traveling in cars, there's got to be some good stories there. Um, are you a driver or are you a passenger generally? Um, so I do I, lately. I've been probably driving more, but um, I've had my fair share of like being a passenger as well. So I suppose when I first started out, like very first started out, I was more of a passenger. Um, then once I was getting on shows myself, I was an offer to drive people to shows. So I used to drive Rampage Brown, um, so like Rev Pro shows, Progress shows. Um, I've done a couple of Butlins runs, um, where I would drive to that as well. But equally, I've you know. Uh, Rory Coyle, um, I've been to a lot of shows with him where he's done the driving and done the shifts and things like that. This past weekend, um, yeah, sorry, yesterday, I was just driving up to um, ICW for Fear and Law the night too. Um, I was the driver there. So I'd probably say, I'm, I don't want to say I'm always a driver because I'm probably split. Um, usually when I'm in a car, there's a good mix of, you know, either Rory driving or I'm driving and then, you know, just get other guys in the car as well, depending on the show. 
We had um, Ian Skinner on recently from ICW. Um, yeah, I was speaking to Ian yesterday. Ah, he's fantastic. Really enjoy his work. And again, he's something completely different as far as um, styles go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so how was night two at Fear and Loathing? Class really enjoyed it from start to finish. Uh, I actually put a tweet out about it earlier today. Um, yeah, really, like, really good. Start off hot with the um, the ladder match. Um Max Stead was in a tag match following that. Uh, I was driving up with Max Stead yesterday. Really good match. Uh, you had Andy Wilde and Big Demo, which well, that was the match I was most looking forward to um, because I've got the match coming up with Big Demo. Uh, you had BT Gunn and um, Stevie Boy in like a death match in the main event, um, which was class. Like, I'm not a huge death match guy, um, just death matches for the sake of death matches. Um, but the, the, the match that they had was really good. Um, Rio was working. Um, Casey, brilliant. Love Rio. Um, we had Gia Adams, who was on the pre-show. Gia trains with those guys. So she was up in the car yesterday. Did a really good job um, in the pre-show match. So, yeah, like literally from top to bottom, ICW was kind of, especially over lockdown, when there's not been, you know, the fans in attendance, having to almost do a reset because of losing talent and things like that. And, Literally, yeah, kind of. It's not like for, like pressing the reset button on it to see the outputs of what those guys have done over the past what yeah year and a half is it? Um, absolutely class, really, really good night, and everyone on the show should be proud of themselves for what they've done. And it has been easy to see because it's been on the network. Yeah, it has. Yeah, and we interviewed Adam Maxted as well recently. Um, All right, cool, really yeah. lovely guy. Yeah, um, yeah, he was just coming from the gym as well. Yeah, yeah. I thought Maxted for like oh. From a, maybe he's about a year into training, maybe he's even less. So Max said kind of lives local-ish. I lived a little bit more local than what he does now to me. But um, yeah, first met Max said training up at, uh, with Rampage. Um, got on with him straight away and then, yeah, kind of just set it off and being friends with um, Adam now for almost five years, I'd say. Yeah. Andy? Well, looking at back to sort of like uh, your big stacked and jacked, uh, what's the did you do you work with anyone specifically for diets? Do you do bodybuilding uh, shows as well? Yes, I mean, like I like people think it's like a catchphrase, a slogan, whatever. Like, in organic, it's a lifestyle. Is kind of what I say. That's generally not a catchphrase for me. So I got into wrestling. Uh, sorry, I got into bodybuilding because I got into weightlifting when I was a teenager, and I got into weightlifting because I grew up watching wrestling and I wanted to look like a wrestler. So I have two older brothers. One of them had like a dumbbell set when like I was, he's a lot older than me. But I remember as a teenager, um, just literally lifting the dumbbell, doing your bicep curls, doing your overhead press, using a dumbbell to try and do it, a chest press, press up, sit up, things like that. Uh, and that was purely just because I watched wrestling and I was like, I don't look like a wrestler. And then when I was a teenager, lot something that a lot of people don't know about me, I actually trained like, two sessions with three count wrestling when I was still in school. Um, the first session, my dad took me and my schoolmates to go and train. He stayed with us, brought us home. Uh, I live in Hartlepool. This was Middlesbrough. It was like a 20-minute drive. The second week, we got the bus. The bus got us back to Hartlepool. By the time we walked home from the bus stop home, it was after midnight. It was a Monday night. It was a school night. My mum and dad went off it with me and they were like, you're not doing this anymore. And that was the end of wrestling for me. So I couldn't do it as a, like, as a teenager. Then I got back into wrestling training when I was at uni. Uh, again, it was through three count. I found out that they were still running training. It was in a different place, run by different people. And um, the coach just packed it in. So I started going, was training. The coach eventually packed it in. So that was the end of that training. And that kind of experience just soured me a little bit in wrestling because I was like, oh, I've just put all this effort into training. This was not early in next. I was in like, was, there was no social media. So it was hard to find training schools. Literally didn't know, couldn't find anywhere else that was training. So that was kind of the end of that. Um, but yeah, I got into the gym because of, like I say, wrestling. Then reading about, you know, how to put muscle on, how to get in shape. You then realize, oh, a lot of this is diet. So then reading online about diet, coming across bodybuilding, bodybuilding diet, bodybuilding training. Um, and then I just kind of fell into training. When I was younger, I trained like a powerlifter with a little bit of bodybuilding tacked on. 
But I wanted to, like, the more I was training and the more I got serious about me training and the more I got serious about diet, just throwing, like, research and things like that, um, I decided I wanted to compete in a bodybuilding show. And that was kind of because I thought I'm putting all this effort and time in the gym. I kind of want to see what I can do. Um, so I changed gyms. Um, there's a guy called Eddie Elwood in Hartlepool, not involved in wrestling in any way, shape or form, but he was a five-time NABBA Mr. Universe champion, bodybuilding champion. So he kind of, when I did my first bodybuilding show, he helped prep me, he helped me with my diet, changed my training up a little bit. That was in 2013. And then as the years went on, he kind of gave me a little bit of advice. But after a few shows, you kind of know the basics you kind of learn your own body, you kind of adapt to it and things like that. So, um, like, my physique was, you know, I kind of knew the fundamentals of training before bodybuilding anyway, but that did change up a little bit through the help of the bodybuilding coach. Um, so, yeah, that's, like, kind of how I, you know, got the physique I've got today kind of thing, which started, like, I think people just sometimes look at me as well and they think, oh, Shreddy, like, you always being Jack, but no, I was just, like, a skinny teenager. I was an overweight kid and I was a skinny teenager, and I just got into the gym when I was younger and just stuck with us. I've got to say, um, you are jacked and stacked, obviously. Um, do you have to do a lot of stretching? Because obviously the muscle mass that you've got and the style of wrestling, you are very quick on your feet. Um, oh, do you have to um, concentrate on the stretching as well to make sure that you've still got the movement? Yeah, I do. So this was something that I never, ever did before wrestling. And it was, um, I kind of rampage drilled it into me. Like I had tight hips, um, tight glutes, which did when I first started training, um, looking back at like training footage now, and even some of the early matches or appearances on shows, I'm very robotic with like how I'm moving. And that kind of came about because of just tightness in the muscles, tight, especially on the hips. Um, Rampage gave me some drills over training. We always do stretching. And then even as I got a little bit older, just for like kind of injury prevention, but also for wrestling, being able to move better and be able to, you know, perform better in the ring. Stretching is now a big part of my routine. My routine. Um, for the past couple of months, I've been going to physio every week as well, just to kind of help out and, you know, made, make sure that things are staying loose. Any like niggling, like, potential injuries getting those seen straight away um before they become like an actual in injury so yeah stretching is a big part of the routine now as well as like the regular weekly physio sessions now you mentioned that you were young watching wrestling so who did young shreddy watch when he was younger so I got into wrestling. Um, so wrestling was always on in my house I have two older brothers who were like a lot older than me and I always remember like wrestling being on, um, being on Sky Sport. I always remember, you know, the blue mat outside during like, the early 90s kind of stuff. But I, when I properly got into wrestling and my guy um, was The Rock, like for me, hands down, The Rock like is the goat. Um, he was my favourite as a kid, um, favourite as a teenager. As I've grew up and I'm arresting myself, I can look back now and I kind of, maybe some different guys, so like from just a pure in-ring perspective think all right they're like the best kind of thing um but yeah when i was a kid kind of grew up really got into in the attitude era like you know most people my age did um the rock was hands down number one my favorite uh, and then my second favorite that people might be surprised or people always seem to be surprised when i tell them this was mick foley um i remember fondly uh one christmas i think it was a like christmas 2000 i could be wrong though one of me up me brother not my oldest brother but my other brother who was also older than me uh, i was wanting the rocks book and mick foley's book the one that mick like mick foley became like, um new york times best-selling author um from us they have a nice day book i wanted that and the rocks book was also it's on my christmas list when i was a kid like nine ten year old or whatever and i put down like i wanted these books surprise surprise you know get me both for christmas so i was absolutely over the moon with that um, like 10, 11, 12 years later, I went to go and see Mick Foley when he was doing stand-up in, in Newcastle. And then in Middlesbrough, I took the book with me to get signed. So it's the book that I had when I was a kid. Managed to meet Mick Foley and get that signed as well. But yeah, The Rock was me. Well, the Rock was my guy um, when I was a kid. But you can literally grow up in that time. There were so many people that like I loved. Like I remember as a kid, I loved Rikishi. Um, I loved Too Cool. I loved Ken Shamrock. Um, I hated, hated, hated Kurt Angle, but I remember the invasion storyline 
when they can't angle like the savior. Remember, like, me and Rachel, this is so weird because, like, we hear can't angle, but can't angle is like, no, the savior of the dude ref. Um, so that was like a weird kind of thing, but yeah, like, it's literally from like childhood, there's just so many characters, um, who I like that everyone had a character back then, so it was very easy to pick out like half a dozen or a dozen people who you absolutely loved. I totally now, agree you, with that. You mentioned Mankind, a hardcore legend. Now, yes. you hang around with a hardcore legend of the UK scene. Yeah. And somebody uh, I know Dan was uh, very much looking forward to talking to you about. So I'll, I'll pass it back to Dan. Mr. Rory Coyle. Yeah. Um, he, he's had some proper death matches over the years. He has. Yeah. He has yeah. I've been in attendance for a couple of them. It must be terrifying as a friend. Um, so I do remember one match, and I don't want to say too much because obviously, like, I don't want to expose too much kind of thing. Um, but I do remember one match. Uh, it was a BWR death match. Um, I think it was a multi-man match, and I just remember um, I had Newt, uh, Rory's uh, Rory's dog. I was holding him, like we took him with us. Um, I was kind of like minding Newt and looking after him while Rory was wrestling. And I've never done a death match. I've had a hardcore match and um, took thumbtacks. And I remember taking thumbtacks, taking the bump wasn't too bad. Being pinned on them was what got me. And it was like, I can't wait for this pin to be done just to get me back off these thumbtacks. I saw Rory bumping on a shattered glass from the light tubes and things like that. And it reminded me, or it, it it made me think that must have been how I looked when I was trying to get off the thumbtacks. And I just know what the thumbtacks felt like. The glass, I would imagine, is far worse. So, yeah, like, as, like, not just another wrestler, but as, like, a mate, seeing someone like that and whether he was selling, whether he, like, I don't know, whether it was, like, really effective, I don't know. But, like, you kind of look at it as a mate and you kind of think, like, ah, what, like, yeah. I can imagine that's not something that's difficult to sell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to also ask about someone you previously tagged with, talking about tagging, yeah. um, which is Martin Kirby, who's just had his um, coming out of retirement matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was actually at the ICW tapings when Kirby made his like, surprise return back as well. Yeah, that match with Daz Black was fantastic. Yeah, I, like, I remember messaging... Um, Rory was one of them saying, just watch Kerry's first match back, match of the night. Like, it was so good. Uh, yeah, I, I remember his uh, uh, the Rev Pro UK match against Robbie X, uh, both phenomenally talented and just, you wouldn't have thought he'd been retired because he was phenomenal. I think it's that thing over lockdown, though, like a lot of people, because they didn't know, the longer lockdown was going on for, and because of, like, I don't know how to wear this properly, but because of the state of the scene and some of the embarrassments and the... I don't the know, just some of, Yeah, just some of the stuff that, like, absolutely embarrassed the scene and just made us think, like, why are we sharing locker rooms with some of these people? How have we not known some of this has gone on? In some cases, people knew about it, didn't say anything about it. But however, I don't like want to get into that because it was just it was just a very I would I wouldn't even say embarrassing is the right word because I don't think embarrassing does it justice. Um, but yeah, I think when that went on, it made a lot of people kind of question like, what am I doing with my life? Um, do I really want to be doing this and being associated with these kinds of people? Lockdown was obviously no end in sight, there was no wrestling. I think a lot of people kind of just were able to go, yeah, you know what, like, my body's feeling better. I'm not bumping every weekend. I'm not in the car for five, six, seven hours on these long trips. I'm not feeling knackered all the time, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to call it a day. But then once wrestling comes back and then, you know, you get the itch and you see your mates on shows and things like that, it's hard to stay away, I guess. So, I mean, Kirby just before um, the lockdown and things like that, I think Kirby retired before lockdown, actually. Yeah. But he just came back from um, Dragon Gate in Japan. And I think, like, I mean, I know Kirby fairly well. I'm not, like, super close with him. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, definitely friends with him. 
Um, I know that was like a big goal of his to get to Dragon Gate. I kind of think him doing that, maybe it was like, all right, that's like one off the bucket list. I'm kind of happy to call it a day now. And then obviously he must just got the bug to want to come back. Mm. And We're in the about... best shape of his life. Oh, yes. it looks absolutely. Yeah, it looks absolutely class now. Got abs. Yeah. He um, was one of the main features in Defiant Wrestling. Yep, he was. And, and what culture before that? Indeed. And you yourself were quite involved in Defiant Wrestling as well. Yeah, a little bit. I had a little, um, got, got in the mix a little bit um, up there. Yes. Yeah, so, so when you first started out, uh, you positioned yourself as the assistant to one Simon Miller. Yeah, that is right. What was that like? So it was good. So it was a chance. So that came about um, kind of pitching some ideas. Like you'll probably see me in this um, interview mention Rory Coyle a lot. Because outside of wrestling, um, and he's mentioned this in a promo, he's referenced this in a promo for us. I don't think you'll mind uh, me saying this. So me and Rory are like really good mates. Um, he used to live with me for a little while, which was, you know, super fun. Um, he's kind of been like, if not the biggest help, like definitely one of the biggest helps to me in my wrestling career, my wrestling kind of mindset, if you like. So getting on Defiant, that was kind of like an idea we bounced about, me coming in as Simon Miller's assistant, because Defiant was that thing where it's like, yeah, they had really good wrestlers on, but it was also a storyline-driven show. It was like week by week, and it was almost like watching those old one-hour episodes of Raw, where it was like, you got an hour of wrestling, you've got short match, some backstage stuff, another match, some gimmicky stuff, then like usually like a good TV main event kind of thing. Um, so obviously you need more than just wrestlers, wrestlers, wrestlers. You do need those characters, you need those skits, you need the storylines and things like that. So that's how the Simon Miller kind of assistant came up. Um, and yeah, that was kind of like my foot in the door um, for Defiance. You faced uh, one Bad Bones uh, of Germany, WX fame, uh, WXWM more fame. What was that like? Class. So again, like I don't know which people pull back the curtain in these podcasts now, but I mean, Chris Jericho does full match breakdowns in his podcast, so you know, it's like, yeah, the, the cat out the bag kind of thing. But um, Bad Bones, I remember going over the match with him and came away and again went over to Rory and I was like, right, this is the match. And bef- like as soon as I'd finished saying that, he was like, he's been super generous with you, and I looked at him, I was like. Yeah, I know. Like, it was that thing where at the time, what we're going back to 2019, I think this was. Um, so I'd only been on shows from 2017. Um, I began training 16, but only actually on shows wrestling from at the end of 2017. So I was still like new to the same kind of thing. Um, but working with Bad Bones was like so, like, such a nice guy. Um, it was like a short-ish match, like not too short. It wasn't like a squash match or anything, but it was just like maybe like an eight-minute match or something. Um, yeah, really, really enjoyed like working with him. I remember that actually being my introduction to yourself, and I came okay. away from that match thinking, "Wow, he looks great." Yeah, and he had a great match there. I see a bright future for the young man. Oh, <laughs> Uh, as I say, you've been, but now you're in TNT Ignition. You've been making your way for the last few years, and it seems that Simon Miller's gotten in your way. Yeah, so been in the mix with Simon Miller quite a little bit um, at TNT since lockdowns came back. Uh, it's kind of like the ongoing angle at the minute, um, or at TNT, which has been great. It's been TNT's been like one of the highlights of me this year for wrestling. Um, it's been great to be back there. I was working at TNT a couple of years ago. Um, and then this year is the first time I've been back at TNT for a couple of years and it's been really good doing the things um, that I've been doing there with the, uh, the Synergy lads, uh, Brian Edinson, Simon Miller and Big Guns Joe. Indeed. So what, what spurred that storyline on then? Uh, what, what, what is the issue that you seem to have with Big Guns Joe over on TNT Ignition? Because I think it started with Big Guns, didn't it? So it was kind of, um, I was in the rumble to begin with, Mean Synergy kind of just formed a bit of an alliance there. We just went battering lads. Um, and then we had six-man tag match scheduled and Big Guns Joe no showed us. 
Then we had uh, another, so we ended up having to do a um, two on three, I think it was. Then we had uh, another match, Big Guns Joe, no showed it again. So there's a little pattern emerging there, and <laughs> Big Guns Joe for you, Shreddy. So that's kind of where, where all that stemmed from. Yeah, Why just, are you as me? You know, just look at me, I'm the Jack Sack Daddy. Just unprofessional behaviour by Big Guns Joe. It, is. it really is. Nothing to do with those to... synergy boys. No, no, nothing at all. I don't know why you would suggest that. And you, you they are it. fantastic looking big guys. Mm. Yeah, Great. it's a lot of fun work with them. So working at TNT is the first time like, I kind of came across those lads. Um, but again, you know, I think when you get gym guys, you know, you've got... When you're in a wrestling locker room, You've all got a bond. You've all got a common interest. Like, you're all wrestling fans. So in any walk of life, like, even if you're not a wrestler yourself, like, you could be in a supermarket, you see someone with a wrestling T-shirt, you kind of turn your head like, oh, he's like he's one of us kind of thing. It's easy to get on with people. Like, one of my best mates in uni was a wrestling fan, and our entire friendship was built pretty much around we were both wrestling fans. So when you're in a locker room with someone, you're all wrestling fans, so they're straight away to, oh, we've at least got one thing in common. And when you've got, like, a gym guy there as well, it's like, oh, well, we both like wrestling, we both like the gym, we just became best friends. Excellent. I was just going to mention with Big Gun Joe, um, you did get the opportunity recently to wrestle um, somebody who I believe looks up to Big Gun Joe a lot, um, Joe See Me, um, uh, to wrestle Carnival. So um, I think that was the gauntlet. Um, so I wrestled, so he was in the match. Um, he was in the gauntlet match, but I wasn't actually facing him, but it was me and Big Guns Joe facing off in each other in the gauntlet. And I think your C me came in after me, maybe, I think. Ah. Uh, so I yeah. did actually face off. My order's wrong, I apologise. Yeah, no, no problem. I'm still 99% sure there is John Cena in a lucha mask. I think it could be, it could be. What's it like working down at Wrestle Carnival? Because it's a fun atmosphere that they try to entertain. Yes, I've done the one show there. Um, did the Strongman Gauntlet match, which was good. I enjoyed that. Uh, did a little backstage skit with um, John Grace, which was fun as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully I can get back down to the carnival um, next year. We, I'd be looking forward to us. I really hope I get a chance to see you there in January. Fingers crossed you'll be there. Fingers um, crossed. One of the questions we ask everyone that comes on this show is, in America, they have the Mount Rushton of um, professional the wrestling. Rushmore. We have the Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. It's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling, their top four wrestlers that um, they have as they look up to. We always do a Mount Rushton of British wrestling. Yeah. Who would be all four British wrestlers be for your Mount Rushton? Oh, so it's hard to pick four because as a fan, obviously like Regal, like brilliant. As a kid, I remember as a kid, my mum loved William Regal. Um, it, I, yeah, my mum absolutely loved William Regal. Um, I think she thought like, she couldn't believe that someone so posh was from Blackpool. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, William Regal, obviously like, yeah. British Bulldog but being an actual wrestler that Mount Rushmore would probably look a little bit different because I would look at people of who has been influential on me or maybe who has helped me in mm. kind of my career and um, so number one would be Rampage Brown um, Rampage so I started training again finally in 2016. It's because there was an NGW show in Hartlepool. Um, went along to work, just my mates were like, oh, I've done a couple of this, like this wrestling show. So we all went and there was like leaflets on the um on the seats. Picked it up, followed them on Facebook, and I was like, Oh, they've got a wrestling school. Oh, it's in like Chesley Street. That's only like 35 minutes away from where I live, 40 minutes away from where I live. So I wasn't too far. Um and then Rampage Brown. So before I got into wrestling, I wasn't a huge like British indie wrestling fan. I didn't follow it a lot. I remember watching the wrestling channel when I was in school and kind of picking up bits and pieces there. And then my knowledge of the indies was like pretty basic in all honesty. Um, I knew like Ring of Honor. I looked at TNA as like an indie company then, which obviously it wasn't. It was like a big company. But 
my knowledge of the indies and things was pretty much just from the wrestling channel and seeing guys on there. I was familiar with Rampage Brown beforehand. I remember seeing him like in person. I was like, oh, this guy, like, he's a beast. Um, so I was like, all oh, right, like, there's training on pretty close by. Um, so him, definitely Rampage would be like there for me because he's been a big influence in my career. Um, a second one. Uh, when I very first started training, so I did like two or three sessions with um, Rampage, and then one of my friends, um, Saxon Huxley, also from Hartlepool, um, of NXT UK, knew him before I even got into wrestling. Um, he told me about a seminar he was going to with Johnny Moss and um, Marty Jones. Johnny Moss I was familiar with. Marty Jones I'd genuinely never heard of before. Went down to the seminar, was like, this guy is just like... He's forgot more than like a lot of top wrestlers know. So then I began training with him um, weekly as well. So it was like Rampage and Marty was like kind of where my training was split between. So I would probably have to put those two guys on because in the early days, I don't get down to Marty as much anymore just because of the travel distance and busy life and things like that. But definitely in the early days, Marty was like a big help just because of the training and things like that. Um but then I suppose, like, looking at um, influences for me and motivation for me, um, British, Bull, uh, British Bulldog, one of my favourites as a kid, obviously the style of wrestler he was and his appearance, his, his physique and things like that, big, um, you know, big influence on me. I watch a lot of British Bulldog for tape study. And then I absolutely loved Drew McIntyre. Loved him back in the day before he got released from WWE and then top in the Indies and went back. So Drew would probably, I, I, as much as I love Drew, I'd put have to put William Regal on there because of when I was a kid, growing up watching William Regal, absolutely class. So a bit of a mix. There's a couple of guys that helped me out, a couple of guys who, you know, I look at as an influence. And then, you know, if William Regal, massive influence, though, on the scene. Mighty Jones, one of the reasons I put him on as well, he trained William Regal as well. So he's, yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're about to interview, actually, a gentleman called Stephen Bell, who's an author, okay. um, who's got a new biography coming out of the British Bulldogs. All oh, right, that's cool. Um, so we're interviewing him later on this week. And talking about books, how good's Regal's biography? I'll be honest, I've not read it. Oh, well um, worth a read. I'll put it okay. right up there with um, Foley's. Right, okay, spot on. Yeah, really good book. Um, thank you. That is an interesting group of people. Um, British Bulldog comes up a lot. Regal comes up a lot. Um, I think it's the second time Rampage has come up. So, I mean, Rampage, Like, if you ask any of, like, maybe some of the guys who are just getting into wrestling now, may not be as familiar with Rampage because he's kind of off the scene and he's over in NXT UK. But when I was starting out and all the way up until now, even most of the guys who I speak to consider Rampage to be the best wrestler in Europe. And before he got signed to NXT UK, he was, he was signed back to WWE back when it was FCW years and years and years ago. And he left of his own accord. He, you know, he wanted to come out of WWE. He didn't get fired or released or anything like that. He wanted to leave. So, he, you know, he did. Um, came back to in the Indies. And if you ask workers and wrestlers who they think, like, the best European or British or English wrestler is, I, the answer I hear all the time is Rampage Brown. Um, and I would agree with that as well. Yeah. Indeed. Do you remember what uh, Rampage Brown's name was when he was part of SCW? Was it something oh, Lynch? It was, um, it began with an M, I think. Um, what was this? No, I'm thinking, um, so I I remember the squash match he had with Mark Henry as part of his tryouts back on ECW. Mm. Yeah, I can't remember what his name was in FCW, no, I can't remember. I don't remember what it was now, and it's bugging oh, me. Yes. I'm going to have to look up this squash match yeah. against Mark Henry. I'd miss that. <laughs> yeah, so it was when um, there was the WWE ECW. Um, it was when they were touring over in the UK. There's a match with um, Rampage and Mark Henry um, on there, which I think was kind of like a tryout. I think that's, I believe, back then, that's how WWE did tryouts for like the UK guys. Um, mm did some training prior and then put them like on a TV match kind of thing. Um, so yeah, there's footage there of um, Rampage wrestling Mark Henry. Honty Lynch. 
Monty Lynch. Monty Lynch was Monty his Lynch. name in FCW. Sorry, Rampage, to just bring that up. <laughs> but I always, yes. I'm going to segue quickly. Um, we just mentioned Mark Henry, yeah. world's strongest man. Yeah. But you've met the actual world's strongest man, as far as I'm concerned, Mr. Eddie Hall. Yes, I have, a couple of times, actually. Yeah. He's massive. Yeah, so <laughs> back uh, a couple of years ago, um, I was sponsored by a supplements company, um, and Eddie Hall was like their main um, ambassador, um, athlete, or whatever the term would be. But I was part of like that kind of sponsored athlete team. So we went down and did like a photo shoot, video shoot day. Um, so met Eddie Hall, then trained with him, and then met him at a Body Power Expo. With through the same company again. Um, so yeah, there's been a couple of times um, I've met Eddie Hall. Um, I've also met um, Bill Kazmaier. I don't know if you're familiar with that name from yeah. World's Strongest Man going back. So Bill Kazmaier was one of the World's Strongest Men um, back in, I want to say, the 80s. Then transitioned from Strongman into wrestling and worked for WCW back in the day. Uh, I met him a couple of years ago at my gym because he's friends with the owner, Eddie Elwood, who competed in Britain's Strongest Man um, a couple of years ago. Um, so that's kind of how I met um, Kazmaier. Uh, I think he's Canadian. But yeah, he worked for WCW in, I want to say, the late 80s, possibly early 90s. Yeah. Very cool. So Rampage Brown versus Ilya Dragunov for the NXT UK title. Who's going to win? Um, I mean, got got a got a roof for your boy Rampage now, isn't it? Yes. But it's funny you say that. Elia, um, a couple of years ago, there was um a progress show up in Newcastle, uh, and it's when some of the North guys got featured on the pre-show. Um, I was working ring crew, um, on that show, and I remember seeing Joe Coffey and Elia, um have a match there and that was genuinely the best match I've ever seen after the time that was the best match I've ever seen live it was so so good it's a break away from wrestling because you are the most jacked and stacked daddy of professional wrestling but you're also the jacked and stacked daddy of Pokemon fans and we yeah, can see yeah. it in the back yeah there's a little bit there there's a little bit there <sighs> tell us about your Pokemon history how did that come along so I am a massive kid. It's as simple as that. Um, <laughs> I genuinely just like, I'm a massive kid. I'm a massive nerd. Just like, I think most of us wrestlers in some way are nerds over something. Um, and yes, yeah, so Pokemon for me, like Pokemon was my childhood pretty much. Like when it launched, I was just hooked straight away. Um, it's one of those things that I never really grew up, uh, grew out of. Um, like I remember being like a kid, Primary school, collecting the cards, playing the games, watching the cartoons, getting the toys, all that kind of stuff. Then you go to secondary school and it's like Pokemon isn't like the cool thing anymore, but I still really like Pokemon. I remember I had this Pikachu pencil case as a kid and I went from like year six primary school, like last year primary school, going into secondary school. I remember my mum being like, right, we have to get you a new pencil case so you can't take your Pikachu pencil case to big school now. And I was like, all oh, right, okay. And then it was kind of like, I was still a kid, but it was like, you've got to grow up now. I was like, well, I don't want to grow up. But um, yeah, I've always liked Pokemon. Um, got back into collecting Pokemon cards when I was a student, when I was at uni. Uh, but I always played the Pokemon games. And then with lockdown and wrestling takes up so much of my time. It takes up so much of my life, whether it's training, whether it's traveling to shows and weekends kind of being lost to it, whether it's filming promos, whether it's thinking about, you know, matches, doing tapes or whatever it might be. Wrestling takes up so, so much of my time. And when lockdown happened, it was like, oh, right, I've now got all this free time from wrestling and everything else is closed and I've got all this free time. What can I do to kind of occupy myself? And you found it with loads of wrestlers. If you just look on Twitter, like loads of wrestlers then start doing other stuff. Like a lot of people started streaming, um, just doing whatever, like different YouTube videos, different niches or whatever. So in lockdown, I just kind of started doing YouTube videos um, around my Pokemon cards and Pokemon card collecting and things like that. 
Um, so yeah, that's kind of like where the love of Pokemon comes from, which is all this stuff here. But it's not just Pokemon, like Dragon Ball, Star Wars, like those are kind of some of my favourites, um, you know, favourite franchises. Now I'm going to put Andy on the spot here because Andy doesn't know that much about Pokemon, but he does know an awful lot about Digimon. Yeah, I, I grew up, I think I was a little bit older, so Digimon was just seemed to have a bit more adult themes for it. I, I remember as a kid, I liked Digimon as well. Um, I remember Digimon World on the PS1 was mm-hmm. absolutely unreal. absolutely loved that game. I remember watching the original Digimon cartoons, uh, anime, um, having the little Digi, um, Digi device, the little Tamagotchi gimmick. Um, but yeah, I was like a, a Digimon fan as well. I don't like, I mean... Now there'd only be a handful of Digimon. Like I remember, um, as Agumon, um, yes, yeah. I would struggle to name many Digimon off the top of my head. But there was a Digimon card game that was released last year, I think, which I started buying booster boxes for, and I will have them somewhere in this room, just like the sealed booster boxes I bought. Um, but yeah, I I enjoyed Digimon as a kid. It's not something that's you know. Gives me as much nostalgia. Um, it's something that I've, you know, I've followed since being a kid. Whereas with Pokemon, for me, like even modern Pokemon, I'm a bit like, eh, I don't really care about it. For me, Pokemon's just about the nostalgia. So old school Pokemon is my bag. New school Pokemon, like I'll play the games, but I literally couldn't name. Like I'm looking, there's a card there. If it didn't have the name on the top, I wouldn't be able to tell you what Pokemon card, what Pokemon actually was. Well, as I said, when I say my name, it is the Great British Attack. I love uh, Japanese culture and uh, and just basically being a geek. Yeah. And I uh, so anyone can really be an attacker, but uh, especially if you're into Japanese culture and uh, the animation. We recently had on Rebecca Resno, who's one of my favourite guests. Because Ned, she's a Ned. She is an absolute nerd. I love. Her. I'm an absolute nerd. Come on, I look. I've got my Attack and Titan T-shirt on because I absolutely love that one as well. I love Attack and Titan. So actually, I remember I messaged Becca um, last week because I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw an advert for um, Attack on Season, like Series 4. And I was like, oh, the second half must be out. Clicked on it and it was just, it wasn't Crunchyroll, but it was an advert for some like streaming service. And it was just like, oh, we've got Series 4 on. And I was like, well, that came out like at the start mm. of the year, last year. So I messaged her the screenshot of the advert and I was like, Legit just thought like the second half is out, and then I clicked on the on the link and I realised it's just like the first half. So yeah, still waiting for the second half of series four. It's coming this year. I can't remember the exact well, date it's being it was, released. That's why I thought it was the actual second half because like we're in November now, and I was mm. like, oh right, it must be out now. And it's like they need to hurry up and release us. Yeah, how good has that new season actually been though? So I'm going to be honest with you, the final season. I really, really struggled getting into, like, at the start, like, to the point where oh. I was tweeting about it, saying, like, this is shit, like, what's happened to Attack on Titan? It just felt like such a change in... So, I don't know if... It changed pro- studio, so the animation I, did change. One of my friends told me about this, and I was like, oh, it wasn't the animation. Like, I personally wouldn't have known that the studio mm. changed, but one of my friends is like a video editor and an animator, and he wasn't even an Attack on Titan fan, but he just heard about it because kind of in his niche, a lot of people were talking about it and how the animation had changed. He was telling me about that. I was, all right, that's interesting. But I think it was just because you've watched three series of this story, and the story has evolved so much from series one, which I really liked. It's like not what you expected at all. And then by the mm-hmm. time you get series three, it's this whole like other layer and other level. But you've got this like set cast of characters and the set story, and then series four is like right. He's a new bunch of characters. It's a completely different like story we've got set up, and it takes so many episodes to kind of come Figure back. Out what's to- going on? Yeah, it was just so like, and especially watching it on like fan dubs as well. It's like mm-hmm. these translations that we don't even know what's going on, kind of thing. So it did take me a bit of getting into, and I got into it, but yeah, it did take a bit of like a bit of effort and a bit of work to get into us. A big series at the moment is uh, Squid Game. So, have you seen that? I have watched it. We'll finish like whatever week it came out. Probably watched it within the first week. Like it was like released. Well, not maybe it's the first week we came up, but when like it kind of caught on, all the buzz was going on. It was like, what's the Squid Game? Um, yeah, watched that in like the first week it came out. Really enjoyed it. I actually seen a tweet or a Facebook article or something earlier. Um, is it called Hellbound? 
Apparently, mm. this is like the new mm-hmm. number one Korean series, and Hideo Kojima, who makes Metal Gear, like the former Metal Gear director um, and game designer, he had apparently said something about it, which was why this game's website was covering it. And I had a little look, and I was like, all oh, right, Hideo's like, mentioned it. I had a little read about what it's about, and I was like, it basically was saying, if you like Squid Games, this is going to be the new Squid Games. So that's mm. probably going to be the next thing that I watch. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Talking about Squid Games, though, it's Wrestle Island that's doing it, isn't it? The, yes. um, have you seen Wrestle Island's upcoming matches that they're doing? The, I've, I've seen like the red light, green light gimmick poster thing, but the specific matches, I'm not too familiar. I do see things pop on my timeline, but I, yeah. yeah, I don't really know what the matches are there. The red light, green light gimmick looks like it's going to be amazing, but the other one they've got going um, is you can... It's a four scramble full way in which uh, if somebody is pinned, then you can no longer use that. You can only use either submission disqualification. So each time you use one type of elimination, it cannot be used again. Okay. Okay. Uh, But the red light, green light one is six competitors, one full red light. When the red light sounds, obviously you have to stop what you're doing, no matter what or you're eliminated from the match, and then you have to wait till okay. the green light goes. So I think they're really interesting gimmicks. So There's something I think will be uh, excellent to see uh, on TNT. Oh, oh sorry, on Powered 40 TV. Yes, I, I can definitely see you holding somebody in the Jack's Hammer as the red. As the red <laughs> yeah. If I was on the island, maybe so would. Uh, we just said Rebecca Resner. I saw you recently at Prime Wrestling and Entertainment uh, along with Rebecca Resner. You took on Dan Maloney, uh, also quite a big name. Uh, so how was it going into that match? Yeah, again, another match I was looking forward to. Um, so Dan Maloney, obviously a Rev Pro regular, kind of works shows more so down that end of the country than up here. Um, so this might have been the first time he's worked up here, to be honest. I'm not, I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, I enjoyed the match with Dan. Um, it's good. I feel, kind of feel like since lockdown, I've had a good string of matches and a good string of bookings that have kind of allowed me to showcase. One, showcase what I can do a little bit more. Two, showcase the new persona of Shreddy. And three, put me in with these people who have kind of like bigger names than myself or at least bigger names in other parts of the country to help, you know, get a bit of spotlight on the show and, you know, help help me get get my name up there a little bit as well. Yes, the young fans at Prime Wrestling Entertainment didn't quite like the new Shreddy, did they? No, I don't think many people like, um, I don't think many people like the old Shreddy as well. Uh, but uh, for those who don't know, uh, they were throwing glow sticks at typically all the hills and, and Shreddy decided to hide behind the referee. Yeah, there's a little Sorry. Story. I'm trying to climb into the ring. <laughs> I know, it got a bit out of hand, I must admit. I was thinking, I'll say something. they did actually say something in the end, but uh, yeah. it was all in the name of fun. But yeah, the kids yeah, certainly yeah, did. Wrestling, I mean, I got into wrestling when I was a kid. I think most people get into wrestling when they were kids. So if a kid wants to throw some glow sticks at me, like just let them, you know, let them tie themselves out. They'll run out of glow sticks eventually. Mm. I'm a DJ. I get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with one final question because we mentioned NXT UK and you mentioned that there has been a surge. Has NXT UK been good for British wrestling or bad for British wrestling? It depends on who you ask, doesn't it? Everyone's got different stances. Um, Twitter is very opinionated on us. Um, <laughs> yeah. Twitter always is. Uh, it is what you make of it, in all honesty. Like, if you want to believe it's good, believe it's good. If you want to believe it's bad, you can believe it's bad. Um, it's just people if you enjoy something you'll find something to enjoy about it if you don't like something you'll find a way to not enjoy it and tell everybody else that you shouldn't enjoy it either mm. um, something i see online all the time going slightly off topic is nobody hates star wars more than star wars fans <laughs> when the sequel trilogy came out the last jedi ruined star wars for me and it ruined star wars for like a lot of star mm. wars fans Anyone who I know is like a casual Star Wars fan or just a random family taking the kids to go and take they're not like they don't really know Star Wars, they just after the new, you know, hot movie out, we'll go and take the kids. Oh, it was a good film. Like, no, it wasn't a good film, it was crap. But like, I'm meant to be the Star Wars fan, but it's like I hate it. I think you get that in like wrestling a lot as well. Like, we're all if you've got a Twitter account dedicated to wrestling, 
on most of the things that you talk about on Twitter is wrestling. You're obviously very passionate about wrestling. Mm. So everyone can have an opinion. Like I'm not anyone to say, well, your opinion is right. Or your opinion is wrong. Cause we all have different tastes. We all have different preferences. So if people want to believe it's bad, they will believe it's bad regardless of, you know, what NXT UK is doing. If people want to believe it's good, then they will believe it's good no matter what the people are saying. So it just depends on, you know, I suppose attitude and your outlook on things. But I don't think that's unique to wrestling. I think it's just unique to, uh, sorry, I think it's just a general attitude and a general outlook you can have on life. Like something bad can happen to you, but does that mean you need to have a bad day or a bad week? Or do you just brush it off as like, oh, that was a bit shit, but well, I've still got like the rest of the day. Actually, I remember a recent tweet, uh, which was, uh, who are the most toxic fan set? Is it the com- comic book fans, the wrestling fans, the Star Wars fans? Because uh, fans can be uh, so awful sometimes. I don't know if it's because I'm a wrestler myself. <laughs> Whereas with, like, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. Mm. I'm probably like... I'm probably the equivalent of what a wrestling fan is to Star Wars when, like, the new film comes out and then me and my mate's like, oh, this is terrible, this is crap, blah, 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 blah. That's, like, I've never wrote a film before. I've never written a film. I've never, like, you know, I've never done a screenplay or anything like that. I've got no experience of, outside of YouTube editing, making some, like, small videos like that. I've got no experience of filmmaking or law writing or anything like that. So it's, like, me trying to say, well, I could write a better Star Wars film is like a wrestling fan who watches wrestling, but has no experience of wrestling, of taking bumps, of booking a show, of promoting a show, of managing a show, or anything like that. That's like them going on and criticising WWE or AEW or the local indie company down the road from them. Like, yeah, you can have an opinion and no one's sorry for having an opinion, but just like, that's your opinion. It doesn't mean that what you say is right. And like, I think we're all guilty of that not just in wrestling, but in any kind of hobby or any kind of... You're getting Pokemon cards, believe it or not. Like, <laughs> like one of my mates, Benji, he's um, like wrestler Benji. Um, mm. He is um, like an ed, just like me. Just look at him. You can tell he's an ed. <laughs> Um, but I was telling him about like some of the stupid stuff that goes on in like the Pokemon Instagram community or the Pokemon forums, and then he tells me about stuff going on in, like the Twitch community and things like that, or the streaming community. And it's like, come on, like what? Like literally, it doesn't matter what hobby you're in or what niche you're in, you will find toxic people, and you'll find great people as well. It's just, it's just the way the world is. It just happens to be usually the, the worst are typically the loudest, and you just got to ignore them and enjoy what, what you want to do. That's what it is. It's a vocal minority. That yeah, it's just a vocal minority in a, in a lot of the sense. It's weird as well though because you can have ten people. I can have ten people tell me, "Oh, Shreddy, I love this match," or "I love this promo," or "Blah blah blah." Like this was great. This was great. But you'll get one person who says something bad, and that's the one that sticks with you. Mm. Yeah, we, we try to be as nice as we possibly can. We every now and then we say, but uh, we do always do our best. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on, Shreddy. Uh, obviously, plug that target match coming up uh, this, uh, is it fr- Saturday? Well, let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> so, yeah, Saturday, 27th, um, Shreddy, uh, the Jack Sack Daddy Shreddy taking on Big Demo. Genuinely, the target shows that I've wrestled on before are always some of the funnest shows that I've worked on. You get a mix of talent on there. You get their homegrown trainees who are kind of just breaking out on the shows. You get big imports. This show's obviously got big demo. The shows I've always been at, like, Grado's wrestled on shows there before. If you go back over the history of Target Wrestling, like, over years and years, they had some of, like, the biggest indie talent at the time from, like, AJ Styles, Jay Lethal, just mental, mental talent um, on those shows. This Saturday is big demo. The tickets are only a tenner. It's going to be any target show is fun, but you got big demo on the main event. So, yeah, for a tenner, like you'd be mental if you, especially if you're local, you'd be mental to miss us. And it's the Station Hotel in Carlisle. I mean, it's a Sheraton, it's a Sheraton Carlisle. Yeah, maybe that's why it's just a ten. You do have to make the trip to Carlisle, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's always a fun time at Target. The guys at Target have been great to me over the years. They're always fun shows. So if you're kind of in the area or if you've got nothing to do on the Saturday and you're looking for a day out, a bit of a road trip or whatever, definitely get yourself down to um, Target Wrestling. 
Excellent. And then, of course, on Sunday, it is TNT Ignition, where you'll be facing yeah. Simon Miller and the Baldy A's and Big Gun oh, Big six man, big six man there. So it's a busy week of wrestling this weekend to round off um, November. And then we go into December, where we've got a rise show. Um, can't remember the day. I think it's the 10th of December. And then last show of the year for me um, is North um, on, I think it's the 11th. I could have the date slightly wrong. Could be the 11th and 12th or the 10th and the 11th. But um, yeah, December, we've got North Wrestling as well. Big tag match there that was announced on the last show. So North again. North is kind of the show that give me my break in wrestling, I want to say. Mm. It is give me biggest consistent opportunities and that's kind of allowed me to break out onto other things and go into other shows if it wasn't for north then i wouldn't have had that platform to do anything in wrestling i don't think at least not initially so north is probably my favorite show to perform on and it's kind of the one that like i think everyone has their own show that they think like right this is like i want to bring every every show we go we want to do our best but like for me north is that one where it's like you really want to deliver it's almost like I almost feel like I contribute to North in a way, kind of things. So I've been there for yeah. so long. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, you kind of part of the history because it kind of came out defiant, didn't it? So you were yeah, already, yeah, yeah, yeah. There. yeah. And of course, uh, if you want to check out matches from uh, Treddy, you can go check out North Wrestling on IWTV. Uh, you can also check out his matches on TNT Ignition, which is available on powered for tv so thank you very much for coming on the show and remember folks don't feed the trolls just feed shreddy